precious Father in heaven, that is who you are. You are the great I am. And we as born-again believers, we are your children. We are redeemed. We are restored. We are saved, sanctified, set apart, and sealed. And as your children, we come before you as our heavenly Father right now. We have one thing we want to ask of you, and that is this. As we open up your word this morning, would you reveal yourself to us in a powerful way? Father, it is my prayer, it is my plea that as we dig into the word of God this morning, as we walk out of this room a few moments from now, we will not walk out of here having just been informed by the word of God, but transformed by the spirit of God. So thank you, Father, for what you're doing and what you're going to do. We give you the praise. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Would you grab your Bibles this morning and turn, or if they're electronic, scroll to 1 Samuel chapter 17. 17th chapter of the book of 1 Samuel. You may recall if you were with us last week that I opened the message by asking you to consider the craziness and the chaos and the confusion that is happening in the world all around us. Because let's face it, sometimes those things can become so overbearing, so overwhelming, so overpowering, that as we stand up against them, it feels like we're facing a giant in our life. I mean, how do I beat something that is bigger and stronger than I am? How do I get victory over the fears and the frustrations, the anger, the anxiety, the problems, the people, and let's face it, the emotional upheaval that comes with all of that? How do I defeat the giants that are in my life? You see, that's what 1 Samuel chapter 17 is all about. It's the well-known story of David and Goliath. In fact, it is so popular, so well-known, that even in the unsaved world, many times people talk about facing their Goliath, facing their giant size situation or problem. Well, this morning, I want to focus our attention on three aspects of the giants that are in your life. So let's first of all look at the anatomy of a giant, the anatomy of a giant. We're told in 1 Samuel chapter 17 that when the Philistines gathered together for battle against Israel, verse 4 tells us there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion whose name was Goliath. Now at the pause button for just a moment, I want you to think about that name, Goliath, Goliath. Uh, that sounds giant-like, doesn't it? Goliath. And, and the Bible tells us that Goliath came from a place called Gath. So put that together and let that roll off your tongue. Goliath of Gath. Goliath of Gath. That sounds menacing, doesn't it? And we haven't even met the guy yet. So in 1 Samuel chapter 17, we're introduced to this guy named Goliath of Gath. Verse 4 tells us that his height was roughly six cubits in a span. Now, let me interpret that for you. In today's weights and measures, that equates to roughly nine foot, six inches tall. Let me see if I can give you some perspective. I stand roughly six foot tall. If I put my hands straight up in the air, the tips of my fingers are maybe eight foot, eight foot and a couple of inches. So go another foot, foot and a half above the tip of my fingers, and that's how tall Goliath was. You talk about an NBA coach's dream. Wow. Well, this Goliath of Gath has a nickname. Verse 4 tells us it's, he's called the champion. The champion. 
And, and if his sheer size isn't intimidating enough, verse 5 tells us that the champion steps out onto the battlefield wearing a bronze helmet on his head and wearing a coat, a coat, mind you, of scaled bronze armor weighing about 5,000 shekels. Now, again, in today's weights and measures, that's roughly 175 pounds. Can you imagine wearing a coat that weighs 175 pounds? Can you imagine stepping onto the battlefield, drawing your sword and engaging the enemy, strapped down with over 175 pounds of additional weight upon you? (laughs) This dude ain't just big. This warrior ain't just mean. He's strong. Verse 6 tells us that he's wearing bronze shin guards. He has a bronze javelin slung onto his back, and he's carrying a spear, and the shaft of the spear is about the size of a weaver's beam. And the spearhead alone weighed 15 pounds. And so out onto the battlefield comes Goliath of Gath, the champion. Now, watch this. When you're the champion, it means you're the winner, right? When, when you're the champion, it means no one is better than you. When you're the champion, it means that you and you alone are the best of the best. And so we see this Goliath of Gath, a giant of a man, making his grand appearance before Israel as the champion. I have a question for you here. How do you know when you're facing a Goliath? How do you know when something is a giant-sized situation in your life? Verse 11 gives us the answer. Look at it. It says, When Saul and all of Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were greatly afraid. Go down to verse 24. All the men of Israel, when they saw the man, they fled from him and were very much afraid. So what is a giant? A giant is a problem. A giant is a situation. A giant could be a person or an event. It's an emotional reaction that you have. It's something in your life that looms so large in front of you that it intimidates you. And it causes you to shrink back living in fear. Listen, watch this now. You know you're in a giant-sized situation, not merely by the mass of its size, but by its effect upon you. Its effect upon you. Verse 11 says, when they heard the giant talk, they were greatly afraid. Verse 24 says, when they saw the giant walk, they were terrified. Here it is now. Watch this, watch this. As he got closer, he seemed bigger. As he got closer, they felt smaller. As he got closer, they ran further. You see, you know you're facing a giant in your life when it's chasing you, and you find yourself running from it. And I want to submit, ladies and gentlemen, that all too often we fail to follow the command of Scripture in James chapter 4, verse 7. You see, in James chapter 4, verse 7, we are commanded to submit ourselves to God resisting the devil. By the way, you are aware of the fact that the word and is not found there. It's not submit yourself to God and resist the devil. It's not two separate things. It's one fluid motion. When you submit yourself to God, you're automatically resisting the enemy. And the promise of Scripture is when you walk in obedience to that command, when you submit yourself to God, the enemy, the giant, will flee from you. Instead, we selfishly, we sinfully choose to doubt and question God And at the first sign of our giant, we turn around and we run the other way. The fact is, and let's admit it, there are a lot of giants in this room this morning. 
because our giants come in all different shapes and sizes. There are some of you in here this morning that are facing a giant in your workplace. There are some of you here this morning that are facing a giant in your marriage. You're facing giants in your family, in your finances, in your health, in your purity. And let's face it, there are even giants attacking the church today. Whatever that giant is, it has you all shook up because it is overwhelming, overpowering, and overbearing. But listen to me now, watch this. You know you're facing a giant when the situation that's intimidating you is also paralyzing you. It paralyzes you to the point that you're unable to function normally. That's a giant in your life. And that's what this giant named Goliath, that's what this champion of the Philistines was doing with the children of Israel. Let me share with you another way that you can know when you're facing a giant. Watch this. It won't go away. It just won't go away. Look at verse 16. For 40 days, the Philistine came forward and took his stand morning and evening. Twice a day, for 40 days straight, the champion steps out onto the battlefield, cups his hands to his mouth and says, Woohoo! I'm here! Ain't nothing between us but air. And I just sucked that up, so what are you going to do about it? The giant, the champion, just won't go away. And so here we see Israel facing a giant, but ladies and gentlemen, I submit, so are we. Every man and woman, every guy and gal in this room, everyone watching online is facing a giant daily in your life. A giant that is intent on taking you down. He loves using situations in our lives to beat us down constantly. He loves using situations to scare us to death, to make us feel defenseless and discouraged and defeated and depressed. Day in and day out, your giant shows up in the morning. It shows up in the evening. It just won't go away. Why? Because that's the anatomy of a giant. Let's talk about the attitude toward the giant. What should our attitude be as born-again believers towards the giants that seek to rule over and intimidate us. I want to share with you a very interesting contrast in 1 Samuel chapter 17. In verse 11, we see that King Saul and all of Israel are dismayed and terrified because this giant, this champion, is looming so large before them. Here's what I want you to notice. The verse in verse 11 specifically uses the name King Saul. There's a very specific reason. In fact, I believe there's a twofold reason why Saul is being mentioned specifically. First one is this he's the leader, he's the king. Uh, to borrow from President Truman, the buck stops here, it stops with King Saul. But here we see King Saul cowering in his tent. Listen, when your leader loses confidence, it's not hard to reason that those following the leader are going to lose their confidence as well. So here's King Saul, dismayed, he's terrified, he's, he's hiding from this champion. And the second thing I want you to notice about Saul is this. The Bible tells us that when he was being chosen or anointed as king of Israel, one of the reasons for him being chosen was the fact that he stood head and shoulders above everybody else. Here's why that's so significant. There was a marked difference between Saul and the rest of Israel. Now, now think with me for a minute. What happens when the biggest man, the tallest man in all of Israel, who happens to be your king, 
is hiding in the corner of his tent, cowering in fear, scared to death of this giant. What happens when the biggest man of Israel is sitting in there shaking in his boots saying, (laughs) I'm not going out there. Can you begin to understand the fear that was generated, the fear that was rippling throughout the camp of the Israelites? See, here's another way you know when you're facing a giant. No matter how big you are, the giant appears to be way bigger. He appears to be way bigger. Why was Saul so scared of Goliath? Here's a principle I don't want you to miss. Saul was afraid of Goliath, and and we know this from Scripture because at this point in time in his life, he had already turned his back on God. He was already walking away from God. Listen, folks, watch this now. The further you are from God, the bigger your giant's going to be. Let me repeat that. The further you are from God, the bigger your giant is going to be. Now, I I, I don't know the name of your particular giant, But I do know this, for every person in this room, every person watching online, I know this, that your proximity to God, your personal daily walk with God or lack thereof will determine the size of your giant. Where are you in your walk with God? Let me share with you a great principle from Scripture. It's found in 1 John 4, verse 18. See, 1 John 4, 18 says this, perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. In other words, the more your relationship with God is intact, the less shook up you're going to be when bad things come your way. Let me repeat that. The more intact your relationship with God is, the more, the the less shook up you're going to be when a giant-sized situation comes stomping your way. Think about it this way. A young child wakes up in the middle of the night having had a, a nightmare. The child is scared to death, screaming at the top of their lungs, bawling their eyes out, Mommy! 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 What parent, typically, what what parent is going to come responding with, Take courage, my child, I'm coming! (laughs) No! What's the parent going to do? They're going to go into the room, going to sit on the edge of the bed by the child. They're going to scoop the child up in their arms, wrap their arms around them, and hug on that child. Watch this now. They're going to love on the child. Why? Because when a parent demonstrates love, it greatly decreases the fear. That's why perfect love, God's love, casts out fear. Two verses early in 1 John chapter 4, verse 16 It makes this bold, powerful declaration that says, God is love. Did you catch that? God is love. Not that he has love, not that he feels love, not that he demonstrates love, although all that is true. God, the great I am, is love. Watch this now. The closer you are in your relationship with God, the less fearsome your giant will be. The closer you are in your walk with God, the less intimidating your giant will be. The more you focus upon God, the less you will focus upon your giant. I have a vital question for you to consider. Right here, right now, at this very moment in time, where are you in your walk with God? Right here, right now, this very moment in time, where is God 
in your life? Right here, right now. In this very moment of time, who is sitting on the throne of your heart? Where is your focus? We see in our text that Saul is intimidated. He's afraid, he's dismayed, he's terrified. Here's the contrast I want you to notice. As the story continues to unfold in 1 Samuel chapter 17, we are now introduced to a young boy named David. Here's the contrast. David was not impressed in the least with this champion from Gath. Now, now don't miss this. Goliath was impressive, but David was not impressed. Goliath was impressive, but David was not impressed. I mean, think about it. Anytime someone walks by you that's nine foot six inches tall, wearing 175 pounds of armor with a javelin slung onto his back, he's going to get your attention, right? So Goliath was impressive, but David was not impressed. How do we know that? Look at verse 26. David said to the men who stood by him, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? I mean, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Glance down to verses 36 and 37. David speaking here, he says, your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And then David said, the Lord, note that, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, the Lord will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Well, David's not impressed. Everyone else is affected, but not David. Everyone else was dismayed, but not David. Everyone else was terrified, but not David. Why? Why was David not impressed? Why didn't the champion intimidate the boy? Here it is, folks. Watch this. Here's why David was not impressed. You see, while everybody else was looking at the size, the weight, the height, the reputation, and the history of the champion, David was focused on circumcision. Say what? Yeah. You see, he keeps asking the question, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? David. He's Goliath. So what? No, 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 David, open your eyes. He's a giant. Yeah, so? Oh, David, come on. He's got a history. He's got a reputation. He's the champion. Yeah, but he's uncircumcised. What you need to understand is that David's talking about a whole lot more than physical anatomy here. You see, circumcision was an outward sign stating that inwardly you belong to God. You were in the Abrahamic covenant if you were circumcised. You were one of God's children if you were circumcised. Circumcision is one of the things that set the the Jews apart from everyone else. To be a part of the circumcision was to be a part of God's chosen people. So you see, David did what Saul and the army of Israel did not do. What they should have done, but they didn't do. David did what you and I today should be doing, but most of us tend not to. You see, David saw the problem. David saw the giant through spiritual eyes. He said, I know you see a giant. I know you see the champion, but all I see is a man. And all I see is a man who is uncircumcised. Ladies and gentlemen, do you understand what that means? Here's what David's point was. Watch this now. The giant does not belong to God, I do. 
The champion does not have divine power on his side. I do. So my question this morning I want you to seriously consider is this. As it relates to the giants in your life, what's your perspective? What are you focusing on? Have you developed a spiritual perspective of your problem? Or are you still allowing yourself to be intimidated by the size, the weight, the height, the history, and the reputation of the champion, the the giant that's in your life? David chose to look at the problem spiritually. Look at verses 45 through 47. And David said to the Philistine, (laughs) you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. I will strike you down. I will cut off your head. I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air, to the wild beasts of the earth, and all the earth may know. All the earth may know there is a God in Israel. And that all this assembly, both the Philistines and the Israelites, will know that the Lord saves. The Lord saves, not with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's. He will deliver you into our hand. Do you see what David did? Do you understand what we're reading there? You know, Matthew 12, 34 tells us out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. David's words reveal the content of his heart. And his heart was simply saying this, I'm not going to fight this battle, but I know who is. And I'm going to deliver this battle into the hand of someone who will defeat you. Did you catch that? I'm going to deliver this battle to someone else. Let me explain it this way. Goliath was nothing more than a great big bully. In fact, show of hands, how many of you remember elementary, high school, there was a bully in your school? How many of you had a bully? I'm not asking, were you a bully? How many of you had a bully? Okay, a few of you. Some of you may recognize the name pastor and author, Dr. Tony Evans. Tony tells a very interesting story about his bully. He was in sixth grade at the time. And in his sixth grade class was this giant of a kid that called himself Butch. What a name for a giant, huh? Butch. Well, Tony's story goes that that he had to walk to school. And every day as he walked to school, he'd get about a block, block and a half away from school. And there was this line of hedges, a bunch of bushes. And sure enough, as he got near the end of of the hedge line, out would pop his giant, Butch. Butch would push him to the ground, stomp on his lunch, and begin to beat him up. This, this was a giant in Tony's life. This giant was large and in charge, and, and Tony, to borrow from Scripture, was dismayed. He was terrified. I mean, that's what a giant does. And so Tony finally had enough of it, and he decided he was going to talk with his dad about it. So one day when his dad got home from work, he sat down with his dad, and he explained the whole situation. And he sat back, and he's waiting now for some wise advice, some sage discussion coming from his, his father. His father sat there for a moment thinking, well, how's he going to respond? Finally, he said, okay, son, here's what I want you to do. Tomorrow, I want you to walk to school just like you always do. Okay, dad, um, any, any other sage advice? Any, any tidbits of wisdom? How, how do I defend myself? Right hook? What, what do you want me to? No, son, all I want you to do So I want you to walk to school just like you always do. So the next day, 
Tony walked to school just like he always did. Sure enough, a block and a half, a block away from school, out from the bushes, just like he always did, popped Tony's giant. But that day was different. Because you see, as Butch, the giant, popped out from the bushes behind Tony, his dad popped out of the car ready for war. (laughs) Tony is now standing facing his bully, grinning from ear to ear. Why? What changed? His perspective changed. You see, the battle was no longer Tony's. The battle belonged to his dad. Now, now watch this. Before, before Tony chose to make his dad part of the equation, the battle was Tony's. And he couldn't win it. The giant was too large. It was too overwhelming, too overpowering, too overbearing. But when Tony delivered it over to his father, who, by the way, was much bigger, much stronger than the bully, Although the giant was still there, the giant now no longer had to deal with Tony. The giant had to deal with his dad. And I want to submit that that was David's perspective. David understood the spiritual nature, so he delivered the battle to his heavenly father, who is bigger and stronger than any giant. And I want to submit, folks, that that's why you and I become so defeated when we're facing our giants. We don't go where David went. We don't look to the size of our God compared to the size of our problem. We tend to go and and, and see the champion instead of the creator of the universe. We see the giant instead of the God of the cosmos. Let me illustrate that for you. I want everybody watching me for just a moment. I want this to represent my giant. And in fact, I I, I debated about having all of you do this with me. I figured some of you would probably say, "Eh, eh, not gonna happen. So just watch this and practice this at home. This is a great illustration. This is my giant. And my giant is in my face. And, and, And no matter where I go, there's my giant. I can't get rid of my giant. It's always there. It's always plaguing me. Very annoying, very irritating. Very distracting, very problematic, but that's my giant. Now, I want my fist to represent the power of God. And the problem is when my perspective is focused on my giant, I can't see God. And I'd encourage you to try this sometime because I can't see my fist. I can can play trombone right now, and I cannot see my fist for the giant that is in front of me. And what David did, this is what Saul and the armies of Israel did, but what David did was something entirely different. Now, this is very difficult, so you need to watch this. This is very complicated. Hopefully, you'll catch this. This is what David did. I want to make sure you guys saw that. Okay. This, This is what David did. He changed his perspective. He focused on the power of God. Now, now in doing this, I can still see my hand. I can still see the giant but it's in a different perspective because I understand the fact, and watch this, I understand the fact that the power of God is gonna deal with my giant as opposed to me trying to deal with my giant and ending up with a bloody nose. David understood that the battle belongs to the Lord. We've talked about the anatomy of a giant. We've talked about our attitude toward the giant. Let's talk about our approach to the giant. How do we go after this giant-sized problem in our life? It is a giant. Let's admit that. 
This is a giant. It is bigger than me. It has more skill than I do. It is stronger than me. It is a champion. It has a proven history of beating me up. How do I go after it? How do I approach it? Well, let's start with a negative. Let's talk about how not to approach it. And at the end of verse 37, Saul says something very interesting. He says, go, and the Lord be with you. Boy, that sounds super spiritual, doesn't it? Go, my son, and may the Lord be with you. But we already established the fact that Saul is not in a right relationship with God, so that's not what he was saying. I think it's more like something like this. <laughs> you you want to do what? Let, David, let me, let, me, let me make sure I've got this right. You're telling me you want to, you want to go out there and you want, to, you want to fight the giant. Boy, I tell you what, David, I think you're two fries short of a Happy Meal, but um, I'm praying for you, bro. May God have mercy on your soul. I think it went something more like that. Look, look with me at verses 38 and 39. Then Saul clothed David with his armor put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. David strapped his sword over his arm and he tried in vain to go for he had not tested them. David said to Saul, I can't go with these. I have not tested them. So David put them off. You see Saul is saying, okay, listen, if this is really what you want to do, go ahead and do it, but I'll tell you what, armor boy, bring, bring my armor. Let's put it on David. David, what, what I'm presenting you with is the best armor in, in, in all of Israel. And you, listen, David, you might as well put it on because I'm certainly not going to be using it anytime soon. So David tries on the armor, but he can't wear it. Remember, Saul was a big man. So the armor was too big for David. It was too cumbersome. And, and watch this, now watch this. He hadn't tried it out in battle. He hadn't tested it, so he wasn't used to it. Watch this now, watch this. You cannot beat your Goliath. You cannot defeat your giant using somebody else's armor because somebody else's armor is not the best. You've got to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Saul's armor didn't feel right on David because it was Saul's armor. It didn't feel right on David because it was worldly armor, not spiritual armor. If you were with us last week, we saw that we are to be clothed with God's divine armor, the divine armor of the divine warrior, which is, by the way, a one-size-fits-all. Look at verse 40. Then David took his staff in his hand. He chose five smooth stones from the brook, put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. Now, can we leave that verse up on the screen for just a moment? Because I want you to see something. I have a question for you. According to that verse, where was David's slingshot? Where was it? It was in his hand. It was already in his hand. David already had the slingshot because that's what he knew how to use. He already had the slingshot because God had already provided it for him. He had already tested it out in battle against a lion and a bear. So that's what he wanted to use. Now, at the end of verse 40, I want you to notice something. Four very significant, four very powerful words. It says, he approached the Philistine. You understand why that's so significant? Saul and the army of Israel, when the Philistine came out, what did they do? They ran from the Philistine. 
But David, confident in the power of God, approached the Philistine. Look at verses 42 and 43. When the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him. He was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance, and the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Can you hear it? Can you feel it? Oh, seriously, seriously. Can you hear in the background the music? Bum, bum. Bum, bum. Bum, bum. Bum, bum. Bum, bum. Bum, bum. The tension is building. Goliath is swearing. David is preparing. The armies are anticipating, and in an instant it happens. Look at verse 48. When the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David... David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. He put his hand in his bag, took out a stone and slung it, and he struck the Philistine on his head. The stone sank into his forehead. He fell on his face to the ground. David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone, and he struck the Philistine and killed him. Watch this now, folks. Watch this. The champion is no longer in control. The giant... It's no longer calling the shots. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, it's high time that you and I stop letting our giants rule over our lives. It's high time that we stop letting our giants intimidate us. That person, that problem, that situation, that event, that emotional upheaval, that champion that has been hovering over you, yes, let's admit it, that is a giant in your life, but understand this, And watch this now. The only reason it is a giant is because you're looking at the wrong thing. Stop looking at your giant and start looking at God. Stop looking at the champion and start looking at the Savior. Stop looking at the problem and start looking at the solution. Watch this now. Watch this. Once your focus is on the size of your God, the size of your giant becomes irrelevant. So where's your focus? Upon whom are you worshiping? Who's sitting on the throne of your heart? Listen to this next point very closely, very carefully. Even if you choose to not believe everything that God's word says about you is true, you need to understand this. Even if you choose to not believe that what God says about you as his child is true, you have an enemy who does. You have an enemy who knows Colossians 1, 13 and 14. He knows that you have already been delivered from the domain of darkness. You have already been transferred to the kingdom of Christ in whom you have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Your enemy knows Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11, that in Christ we have obtained an inheritance, that we've been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things in accordance with his perfect will. Your enemy knows 1 Peter 2, 9, You are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a people of his own possession. You have been called out of darkness into God's God's marvelous light. You have an enemy that knows he can try to form a powerful weapon against you, but anytime he tries to use it, watch this, he will fail. You have an enemy that knows you've already been given the victory. You have an enemy that knows, Romans chapter 8, verse 1, that there is now, there is now, There is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. 
We have an enemy who knows, Romans 8, 37, that in all these things through Christ, you already are more than a conqueror because of him. You have an enemy that knows in the end, God wins. So what a shame it is when the enemy can bring a giant into your life that would be big enough to cause you to shrink back in fear and anxiety and in discouragement to the point that you refuse to even step onto the battlefield and draw your sword and engage the enemy and be the man and be the woman that God has already called and already equipped you to be. I submit that there is something drastically wrong when the enemy believes more about your potential in Christ than you do. Yes, life happens. Yes, difficulties will come. Yes, challenges will overwhelm us. Temptations will overtake us. But ladies and gentlemen, when your giant steps onto the battlefield and slaps you in the face and dares you to quit... You can be assured, based upon the absolute truth of our great and awesome God, that you can step onto that battlefield, you can face your giant, and you can win. Not in your own strength, not in your own power, but in and through the unlimited power that comes from our almighty, omnipotent God, as Phil has been trying to drive home to us. In Christ, in Christ, in Christ, we are the most powerful people on the planet. You know, the giant is not going to easily go away. But the way that you face it, your attitude, your approach to the giant, the way that you choose to stand up against it, ladies and gentlemen, from this point forward, that can change. But please, do not lose sight of the fact that every moment of every day, we are engaged in spiritual warfare. Sometimes it's intense, sometimes it's not, but we are always engaged in spiritual warfare. Not sometime in the future, not later on today. No, right now, right here. We're at war with an enemy who is not joking around. We are at war with an enemy who is actively attacking and relentlessly pressing his advantage. Oh, folks, listen. This life, your life, is not a playground. It's a battlefield. This life, your life, is not an amusement park. It's a battlefield. This life, your life, is not a resort. It's a battlefield. The enemy, listen, the enemy is not out there somewhere. He's in here, right here, right now. Our enemy is not a fictitious character dressed in a red jumpsuit with a pitchfork and blood-drenched horns. He is very real very powerful, very much alive and well on planet earth. And that is why we must put on the whole armor of God. We must dress for battle. And we need to be strong and courageous and not be frightened of our giants. Do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So you can choose. The choice is yours. You can choose, James 4, 7, to submit yourself to God, to stand firm in your faith, resisting the devil. And when you do, when you do, God, the great I am, promises you that your giant will flee from you.
come preach that message anytime. We could hear that message every single month and never get tired of that story. And so my friends, in the power and strength of Almighty God, turn around. Wait, don't turn around because the giants aren't the people around you. The, you know, well, maybe they are. But turn to that giant and say, you have no power here. I was gonna say, we should memorize the phrase, and every time we approach the giant, we just say, who are you, uncircumcised Philistine? And I thought, well, maybe, <laughs> maybe the world won't fully understand that, but you get the point, right? We go out in the power and strength of the Lord, not in our own might, but his power at work within us to conquer anything that comes against us. My friends, walk in victory. And as always, at the end of every service, we have a prayer team that's down here. They want to pray with you. They want to help you if there's some need that you have. Maybe it's a giant you are just really wrestling with and you can't overcome and you want some prayer for victory. We're here for that, okay? Here's another giant in your life. It may be the giant of unbelief. And if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ and there is something holding you back, but today you're feeling released and convicted of your sin and you want to give your heart to Jesus, we want to be there right beside you to help walk you into a new life in Jesus Christ and help you experience the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And so we'd love to share Jesus with you if you need Jesus. If you're online right now and, and you really have a need, no matter what it is, you can reach out to us. Our prayer team, online prayer team, is going to be there to help you and to help you walk through whatever it is. Thank you, Steve. Thank you for sharing that truth with us. Let's go out and courage today, all right? And the strength of the Lord. God bless you as you go. Thank you for joining our worship service today. 
our prayer is that God is using the worship and the message to inspire you to love him, love people, and influence the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you made a spiritual decision today or would like somebody to pray with you, you can let us know by clicking the connection card link. If you haven't yet, you can download our church app where we post upcoming events and announcements and you can share this week's message with a friend. You can also check out our website at fbcelkart.org to stay connected with us. God bless, have a great week, and we'll see you back here next Sunday.